listening to episode 246 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our analysis of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. And uh, like I told you before, I cut my lawn today. It was snowing by the end. You sat through two lacrosse games in the frigid temps. So anyway, just another April on the East Coast. Yeah, I've had it. I've had it. I'm done. I, I am not going outside right. again until so. it's 70 degrees. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get too far into the weather, they don't care. You know, if you guys want to shoot us an email and tell us to shut up about the damn weather, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave us a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip, send us the MP3 as an attachment, tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch, or consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. All right, so uh, we're going to continue our thoughts on some of the nominees for the 2018 Saturn Awards, and tonight we're going to look at Best Actor on a Television Series and Best Actress on a Television Series. So first of all, last year's winner was Andrew Lincoln of The Walking Dead, and and I don't watch the show, but from everything I can glean, he, he's pretty darn good. Yeah, yep, he's he's very good. Okay, right. He just had a, a really... Super awesome end of the uh, the season on Sunday night. Another another strong Andrew Lincoln effort there. Okay, and he is nominated again this year, along with John Bernthal from The Punisher, which I have not seen yet. Have you? Oh come on! You still haven't seen it? No. It's so good. Oh my god! Come on, I'm still watching Cable Girls and Grand Hotel. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Bruce Campbell, Ash versus Evil Dead. You know, we talked about that last week. Uh, Sam Hugan from Outlander, and I certainly do watch Outlander and know his work really well. And he's really good. I mean, it's uh, I certainly would have no problem if he wins. Jason Isaacs, Star Trek Discovery. I didn't see the whole season, but I saw enough to know I don't like Jason Isaacs. And no one likes that's that's the beautiful thing about Jason Isaacs. Right. He's like so good at being unlikable. Well, like he was Lucius Malfoy for crying out loud. <laughs> he killed Heath Ledger. Yeah. Well, anyway, Did you ever see that in that was that Mel Gibson movie, uh, The Patriot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seth MacFarlane from the Orville, and you know we talked about the Orville last week. I mean, comparing it to these other shows is is almost unfair. It's a funny show. Seth MacFarlane is good at what he does, but I mean he's really not in the league. I don't think with these other actors that we're mentioning uh kyle mclaughlin twin peaks the return and ricky whittle from american gods and uh you know so for for me uh, i'm gonna go with sam hugan as my pick from outlander i mean i've seen you know as i said about half of these other shows so you know i mean really what we're doing here is just throwing these out for you guys you know maybe it's a show you watch that that we don't and you can throw your two cents uh anybody you want to talk about from that list um well so i know you're not a, a ricky whittle fan and he was he was pretty good but you know i'm still not really seeing him in this list here though um as i said andrew lincoln is always the man in the walking dead um just great I don't know. I don't know if I could call him a great actor overall. Though he was very good in Love, actually. But uh, he's just you know he has that role of Rick just down, so solid. You know he's just so great. 
but I am definitely going with John Bernthal as the Punisher. Okay. And also a Walking Dead alum as well. But, uh, you know, it's just, he's he's just like got this intensity about him all the time that you know he's just like super angry and of course like the violence but then he's also has this very human side of him too and it's just to to watch john bernthal pull that off of working that you know that 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 razor edge between a a guy who's just barely holding it together um who is a a killer but also has this really humane spirit and this sympathy for other people. It's just, he's just, he just does an awesome job. It would be highway robbery if he doesn't win. Okay. Of course, I haven't seen really any of the others. Like, you know, your, your guy from Outlander and everything. I haven't seen that, but I mean, he's just so great as the Punisher. I'm, I'm so disappointed you haven't seen it yet. Okay. And the fact that you know about Outlander, you still haven't seen the Punisher. So. All right, well, let's move on to Best Actress on a Television Series. Last year's winner, Melissa Benoist from Supergirl. She is, once again, on the list, along with Gillian Anderson from The X-Files. Now, there's no bigger fan of The X-Files than me, and I have been in love with Gillian Anderson's work since the beginning she's just awesome in a, lo- a right. lot of you know you didn't have to put the work in i know there. a lot of period pieces <laughs> as well several henry james movies I mean, she's just really a great actress but that said in this incarnation of the x-files there's just something that bugs me about her so i, I really can't choose her as my winner as much as i respect her now i mentioned melissa benoist from supergirl and you know, I like her. I like the show. Okay. But best actress in this list? Uh, no. Katrina Balfe from Outlander. And, and she is just outstanding. And I, I'm going to leave it at that as an actress. You know, she, she's got it all, including some action sequences that Sam Hugan certainly gets a lot more action sequences than she does, but she can hold her own. Now, here's one that you may disagree with me, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones. And the reason mm-hmm. I can't choose her is she just doesn't appear enough. You know? Hmm. I mean, Game of, uh... I mean, Game of Thrones, in an eight-episode season, she might only be in four episodes. No, she's, she's, I think she's in pretty much every one. Okay, well, she's pretty darn well, good. Uh, yeah, 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 she's, she's awesome. Um, well, I, but I get what you're saying with the ensemble cast like they have on Game of Thrones. Like even the people who are like, if I, I'm looking down at Best Supporting Actor, and there's Kid Harrington. So wait, wait a second. How's Kid Harrington a supporting actor, and Lena Headey is a lead a- a- actress? You know, like sure. I'm I'm pretty sure he got as much, if not more, screen time this past season. You know, but yet he's listed as a supporting actor. So. Yeah, fair point. Okay. Now, Sonequa Martin-Green, Star Trek Discovery. And like Jason Isaacs, I just don't like her. I, I mean, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with her character. I just can't buy into a protagonist, a heroic figure that is a mutineer. So... Now, oh, that's right. Now, I was trying to remember why you, what you did. Now, like, now maybe that um, all shifts, and as, as an actress, you know, maybe I haven't seen enough of 
her. So, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll certainly leave that in play. Adrian Palicki, as much as I love her as well, the Orville, again, enough said. I think you just, you just, yeah, you just disagree with the Orville being included in really any of these. Well, I do. Right? And, and it's, you know, Adrian Palicki, certainly she was great in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the only other thing I've really seen her in. I mean, I never saw much of her in her younger days in Friday Night Lights, but I'm sure she was good in that also. Now, Sarah Paulson, who I've seen her in other things, just not American Horror Story cult, so I, I can't really comment on her. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Fargo, I can't really comment yeah, on Yeah, well, Sarah Paulson is in pretty much every season of uh, American Horror Story, and she's always great. So I don't know if she's been nominated before or not, because if she hasn't, she she should have been, because she's... She's just always like, and she plays a different character every season, which that's the kind of the freaky thing. Well, I mean, there's a lot of freaky things about American Horror Story, but one of them is that you have like the same actors playing significantly different characters from one season to the next. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's unsettling, but it just definitely throws you for a loop at first because you're so used to like this other character and now there's something completely different. But so she's, she's really, really good. So, um, I I would be comfortable seeing her win that, but I, I really didn't don't know any of the others uh, except for Lena Headey, and um, and I, I did see the first episode of Star Trek Discovery, which I thought I liked Sonequa Martin Green, but uh, someone maybe could go back and listen and say, no, you said she stunk, but uh, I, from from my vague memory of, of that, I think I thought she did a, a pretty good job there, so. Well, yeah, and, and I'm trying not to be critical of her acting, although I really don't think Jason Isaacs is that great an actor. So I'm going to leave that there. But, but that's that's the thing. He might not be, but he's awesome at being like the super slimy evil guy. Like there is no one better than Jason Isaacs at like encouraging you to hate that character with all your heart. And if you really think about it, that's like good acting, right? Sure. Like he's probably a really nice guy. He's probably not like an a hole in real life. But every role he plays, he's just awful, an evil person, and you hate him. And uh, you know, but he that's that's what he does. Yeah. And, and I don't think Sonequa Martin Green's character comes across that way. At least not for me. It, it, it's just you know. And, and I think her. Oh no, not hateable. Like, she's 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 the hero, so, man. Right. All right. So I'm just going to go with Katrina Balfe from Outlander as my choice. And, you know, you went with uh, Sarah Paulson? I'm going with Sarah Paulson. I'm throwing Sarah Paulson some love, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to the tip of the week, and we'll try to be quick with this one. So for me, I got a couple items. Number one is the streaming service Crackle. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's another free service. I discovered it when I was playing around with my iPad, and and I, uh, you know, can get it on my roku as well they don't have a ton of content but right now they have terminator sarah connor chronicles heroes and heroes reborn so if you're looking for a free service crackle now the other thing is zoe palmer aka dr lauren lewis from lost girl android from the ill-fated dark matter is going to join the cast of winona Uh. earp for season three and just announced her love interest from Lost Girl, none other than Bo herself, Anna Silk, is also going to make an appearance or two on the sci-fi series. So good news for Docubus fans. Just move right on over to Winona Earp, and you're going to get your <laughs> get your fix. All right, so what do you got? 
Um, you know what? I really didn't think about this, but I do know one it was the uh, season finale, as I just said, of The Walking Dead. It was awesome. I'm not going to talk about it because there might still be one or two people out there who haven't watched it, but it was it was cool, awesome, uh, just really great. Lots of unexpected things happening, uh, characters redeeming, and uh, ironic things happening, so really good. Um, and then also there was the season finale of um, Legends of Tomorrow, which, as I have you know, outwardly professed, is my guilty pleasure. And, uh, you know, the season finale was, you know, it was, it was just totally quality Legends of Tomorrow, very enjoyable, entertaining, not necessarily a lot of depth to it, but just a uh, really super fun show, great characters and a uh, funny script, uh, lots of action and stuff happening. And, you know, it was good. Uh, sounds good. And, oh, and, and I finished Ready Player One. I, I'd, uh, finish the book oh okay um so well maybe we'll hold that off and talk a little bit about that next time yeah okay, okay cool all right well let's get to dollhouse this is episode 205 the public eye written by andrew chambliss who wrote 109 a spy in the house of love directed by david solomon who wrote 203 bell shows 103 stage fright 109 spy in the house of love and 113 epitaph one and it aired december 4th 2009 now it certainly had a feel of a episode that should have had to be continued at the end and in fact 205 and 206 aired together 207 and 208 aired together the following week december 11th 209 210 aired together on the 18th of December and then 211 212 and 213 aired individually. So I'm not sure. I think as I recall Fox was just trying to, you know, burn the episodes and just be done yeah, with could, Dollhouse and Here here the death rattles as as the the show even during commercial breaks. Right. So I mean 205 and 206 it certainly makes sense to air them together, but you know, we'll get to that in, in a bit. But uh, I mean, right off the bat, it, it certainly appears that the dollhouse business model is in a free fall, but we don't really have much of a timeline indicating how long it's taken to get to this point. I mean, we get a few references tonight, right? I mean, we know Melly was in the dollhouse for three years, and then we learn tonight in this episode that the senator and his handler have been married for three years, so... How much further the dollhouse goes back, we don't really know at this point. But yeah, I don't think we've really met any. Well, I mean, she makes a reference to a person who was a doll who was killed, right? Um, but um, but yeah, I don't I don't I don't really know if we've met any dolls that have been around longer than the ones we've met. Right now, you know, now I mentioned you know dollhouse. In a free fall, of course, we can also look at this free fall as a targeted maneuver meant to benefit Rossum at the expense of the L.A. house. And that's certainly, sure. you know, one of the, the primary storylines in this episode. But the Rossum plan, which certainly appears to take over the government through careful placement of high ranking politicians. I mean, is this more reprehensible than the engagements we've seen up to this point, which have primarily been sexual in nature. I mean, this is pretty bad. 
Uh, it is pretty bad. Well, I, we, you know, Rossum gets to play the role of soulless corporation. And, and we certainly saw that last week with, uh, you know, their, their handling of Sierra. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's really super bad. Yeah. But again, you know, as we're going to talk about a number of times during this episode, we've seen the future. We know it gets worse, right? Right. Right. Now, the other interesting thing, this sort of happens in travelers, right? Where travelers take over. Well, for instance, you know, we had the one senator that ended up uh, getting sacrificed Uh on the steps of the Capitol or the, you know, whatever building that was. So we don't know what Rossum's bigger plan is other than to push through legislation that will benefit whatever they're into at the moment. But talking about Perrin for a minute, can we assume that he had no say in becoming the doll that he's become? I mean, that seems to be an accurate statement. Yeah, it, it appears that he had zero say in it. But we don't know. Actually, you know, honestly, the original personality might have said, hey, yeah, let's let's do it. No, he, he probably said, dude, whatever. Yeah, whatever, dude. Sure, yeah, whatever, man. Just leave me be. Well, because he- I play Fortnite, man. Come on. <laughs> I just looked that up. I didn't know what that was, and everywhere I go, so oh, yeah. somebody's posting about it. But I, I mean, it's certainly plausible that, as as it's mentioned, he was a thirty year old party boy who pretty much you know flunked out of college and well, probably got passing grades because of who his family was. But did somebody come to him? I'd say maybe might bear more than passing resemblance to a politician of the time period it, absolutely and just saying did somebody come to him and say this is what we want to do and because of you know the dollhouse programming that he has forgotten all about that aspect i mean right. certainly it's right. it's within somebody like topher's purview sure well his his old personality is completely gone right, right. so what that dude, what he wanted, if he was in on the decision-making process, we don't know. Now, we might tend to say he didn't know because of how he reacts to the realization that he's a doll. But, of course, that doesn't really count. I mean, that's this isn't him. This is, you know, this is a completely different personality, a completely different person, as they point out to him. Right, and, and we understand the idea of basically placing your own people inside high levels of government. I mean, we, we get that. So w- when I say what's Rossum's play here, I mean, in that regard, I think we understand what it is. Maybe we don't know the actual mechanics of it, but why do they want to expose the L.A. dollhouse? I mean, is DeWitt being punished for the Alpha incident? Uh, it could be. It, it could be she's being punished for showing a little too much spine. And I think overall, it's just Rossum is just so big and so overwhelming that they can afford to completely burn their L.A. house and just write it off as an expense, oh. you know, a necessary expense. Okay, but if they want to punish her for speaking up, there are easier ways to do it. I, I mean, I guess I look at this as Rossum throwing the public a bone because they can afford to. 
we can afford to have one of our, I think at one point, didn't we hear there were 20 houses worldwide? For some reason, that number uh, sticks maybe. out. But but they can afford to throw the L.A. dollhouse under the bus. And that yeah. appears to be what they're doing. So sure. did Adele DeWitt and her issues at the L.A. dollhouse simply play into Rossum's need? Was this part of a larger plan all along and they were maybe just waiting for uh one of the houses to present itself i mean could this as easily have been the chicago dollhouse or the tokyo dollhouse maybe yeah uh, it probably needs to well it obviously needs to be one of the american dollhouses because you know this is an american senator and and you know it's the american government that they are apparently taking over you know, we don't really know, you know, why they picked L.A. to burn, except, you know, maybe they just looked at it and said, this is, the, you know, maybe they think Adele's not doing a good job. Maybe they see some of these recent incidents, and let's face it, there's been quite a few, and, uh, you know, maybe they see that as, like, mismanagement or something. They're like, well, listen, if, if we're going to burn one of these houses, let's, let's burn the one that's going to cost us the least. Okay. Which I, I, I guess a business like Ross, I mean, that's how they're going to think, right? Sure. They're going to think like the one that, that either is you know, either not making as much as the others or – which you can't imagine the L.A. one not doing that. So, But maybe the one that's just already is costing us. And so let's just burn it and get rid of, you know, yeah, a, a, a liability basically. Okay. Now, we've talked a lot lately about Echo – Caroline and her process of waking up as we see slivers of her past engagements appearing. And tonight we certainly see that again. And we talked about what kind of access to these individuals she actually has. And I don't think we get a clear cut answer on that, but it almost seems as if she is learning to draw on some of those experiences and what she learned while she had that imprint. Yeah, definitely. Um, it doesn't seem like she quite has control of it just yet, but but yeah, she is learning for sure. It seems like. I mean, I mean, how is she able to spot a doll and a handler? You know, you know, when she comes into Topher's room and they're all standing around watching the press conference, and she says, so, right. "You know, uh, like she she's looks not sad. right, right, and she's yeah. not right," and, and so it's almost as if she can spot something sure. in that. Uh, now, yeah. well, just the fact that she's just like popping in on their their meetings in Topher's office, like what is she doing there in the first place, right? Right. She should be down like drawing pictures or something, but she's like popping in on their staff meetings now and, and their uh, planning sessions. And they seem to be okay with it. You, know, you would think yeah. if they were really concerned with her, they've got plenty of employees who could be assigned to watching her, keeping her out of the main office but right well but here's the thought right they still think that when you wipe them that they're wiped right so let her be in there it's like you know if a a two-year-old comes into the room when you're talking about politics or something you know like whatever let them be in here that's not she doesn't know what the hell's going on anyway you know so i think that might be just that it's almost like disrespectful kind of attitude they have about echo and certainly not real. Well, of course, Boyd realizes, and and uh, so does Ballard. But um, you know, the rest of them, like you know, Topher and Dewitt, uh, do not realize that 
you know, that Echo is waking up and she's able to remember things and she's storing things that they're not wiping out. Yeah. Now, it was great, of course, to see Miracle Laurie once again. Sure. And when we listened to Madeline's statement to the press, she seems to imply that she really had no idea as the things she'd be asked to do as a doll. And, and that's certainly something we've talked about practically from day one. While she doesn't come right out and say it, I, I'm guessing, and I think we sort of felt this way every time we talk about it, they probably didn't go into a whole lot of detail, which on the one hand, how do they get away with that? And on the other hand, well, we know yeah. how. They just wipe their memories of the, yeah. that time period. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, you mentioned the beginning of the discussion that former active who blogged and apparently just very obliquely about his or her experience with the dollhouse. And next thing you know, they were killed. So the dollhouse doesn't mess around. And I think we've certainly seen that. But that whole idea of the doll architecture remaining even after release from the contract. Now, is that standard procedure is it a special case with madeline and perhaps no, others? i mean it, it appears that they do it with everyone right well because honestly i mean that we really don't get a lot of the nuts and bolts but can you even remove that stuff anyway oh i, I, mean, well, I mean i just I mean, get the impression that they they do it for all the 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 actives once they leave they that they have that they still have that string on them, that leash a little bit, you know, as um, I can't remember who says it, but, you know, like we never actually get free, do we? Or you know, maybe Ballard says it or something. I can't remember. But, uh, but yeah, so it seems purposeful. And they, this probably isn't the first time they've done that, I think. No one ever really leaves here. And, and it's almost like they've got this secret army waiting to be activated if and when needed. So... I mean, right. it just gets worse and worse each week. So, you know, we see the opening scene, Senator Perrin's making this public statement about Rossum and human trafficking, prostitution, and he, he's hitting every point. Once we get into the episode and we realize that he's saying these things with the dollhouses, with Rossum Corporation's approval. So then the question is why? And, and you know, we, we talked a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, especially like, I mean, I know Rossum has the their evil plan in place and everything, but you know, why would you? You're just like a, a an urban legend. Why would you validate that? Right. You know. Right. And and of course, you saw as soon as he mentions the word dollhouse, all of the reporters go into a frenzy. And, right. and then, of course, he even mentions the the urban myth being a reality, but. We talked earlier about why Rossum and Harding in particular wants to bring down the L.A. dollhouse. And certainly he asks DeWitt why Madeline was released early, which is he making the best of a bad situation by using her as the spokesperson in this case? Well, or is he just really just controlling DeWitt and, and I guess presenting a false narrative for what the reality of the situation is regardless he tells her you know don't do anything it's almost like you've done enough we're handling it what i love is that dewitt 
does what we would expect her to do, what we would hope her to do, which is screw that. We're <laughs> you know we're yeah. going to fight back. So now right well and you know and she got a little taste of it last week, and, and now you know she's definitely and, and maybe again like going back to maybe this is why Rossum is trying to burn the L.A. house because Dewitt is showing these pangs of of rebelliousness. Yeah, sure. And disobedience. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love the misdirection at the beginning when they're talking about Senator Perrin's wife. And he even says, it's like they made her just for me. And, of course, our doll alarms are going off. But Yeah. Well, you know, our puke alarm was going off with that whole, I'm your white knight. And I'm your damsel. It's like, oh, come on. Right. I was glad to find out she was his handler because I couldn't handle that. I was like, why would they keep saying that? It's the worst. Right. But this is really the first time we, we learn about the use of long-term placements, a sleeper agent, if you will, and they've been married for three years. So I guess it's possible that she wouldn't necessarily have to have been his handler for three years. I, I, you know, what I'm getting at is they could – ask him to believe anything he wanted but but now nah, that doesn't make any sense because he's a senator and his wife right. would be in the public eye so people would it's know it's definitely she, gonna be a public record right. of that, so, yeah. so when you think, but about, you think about though well i'll just go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say when you think about what her job must be like to have to you know basically be yeah you know assigned as she's, a wife yeah she's got a bonum yeah for three years like and maybe that's something she was into doesn't particularly look like it is you know she had to have you know sex was obviously part of it uh acting like a wife who really loves like you know this goes beyond what the handlers we've seen what they've had to do sure right yeah no question you know, where that has been like you know completely forbidden in fact we saw the one handler who was messing around with sierra got uh what, did, did he get addict I or no he did no, he he's the one that uh, isn't he the one that Melly killed? Oh, you could be I right. I think that's it. I think that's it. But either way, we, we, he met a bad end. Let's say that. Um, but yeah, but then here we have a, a handler who's put in place to have a intimate relationship with her doll, and that's you know that's that's out there, man. Yeah. Now the the other thing with Madeline is that on the one hand. DeWitt and Ballard are trying to convince her that you're in danger. These people that are telling you they're on your side, they're really not. It's certainly understandable that she thinks they're full of crap. Why would I believe you? I, I've seen footage of me killing somebody when I yeah. was in your care. Why on right. earth would well, I believe and, you? And they, sh they showed her films of having sex with Ballard. Right. So right. she thinks he was... Like he bought her, you know? Yeah. You know, through all of this, Topher puts together this disruptor that interferes with the neural architecture of the actives, and it's going to knock out any doll within 50-foot radius. And I thought that was a brilliant narrative technique to give us the big reveal that, that he's the doll, not her. Um, yeah, because you, you see, like, they show him, like, last and then they show him, you just show his nose bleeding, and then it cuts to commercial, right? right? But yeah, that was really good how they did that. Right. And, you know, 
that that confrontation that Ballard has with Madeline at the airport, and he even I, I don't know if it's fair to call it a slip, but he does call her Melly. And on the one hand, we understand because he really did have a connection with her. You know, whether he fell in love with her, I you know I I don't know about that. Maybe they didn't really have a long enough time together, but he certainly cared for her tells her the truth about what they've done and again why would she believe him and i love her response because it's inarguable when someone's free they get to make mistakes am i free well that's difficult to argue with good good point good point now as every, every parent has wrestled with that same conundrum right so, you know, the way we talked in the beginning of the discussion, the other thing we see here is a different use of the dollhouse. And I love how Harding brings up the cutting age work they're doing with Alzheimer's disease. And, okay, great, that's that's fine. And I'm sure you'll make the excuse that you're only able to do that because of your work with the dollhouse. Yeah, right, whatever. But this idea of augmenting an individual rather than creating a brand new one. Haven't mm-hmm. seen that before. So that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, I, I feel like we see kind of something like that, maybe, but I, I don't know. But yeah, so, well, what we, we see is that the possibilities of this tech are pretty much endless. And into that endless possibilities of an evil corporation dumb, Topher just hands over basically the technology to do a remote wipe. Yeah. Yeah. No question. You know, like they really need to be a lot more careful with that thing than they were. Yeah. Know whose hands it gets into. We'll talk about that in, in, a, in a few minutes, but uh, yeah, I mean, there were certainly some great lines in this one. And when echo or what was her name? I forget what her name was in this one. Uh, wasn't Kiki. That was last week. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, but but she's but she's from Duluth, though. Right, which is where my my mom grew up there. So she's fighting with Cindy Perrin. Finally, she goes into ninja mode. Echo, that is. You just woke up a lot of people, and they all think you're a bitch. Like <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great line. But you know, she gets hold. Cindy, that is, gets hold of the disruptor and and is able to stop Echo from driving the car and. You know, meanwhile, Topher and DeWitt are, are back at the house. I was almost surprised Boyd didn't go out into the field, but regardless, through all of this, DeWitt is is putting the pieces together and, and now knows that they are out on an island and at the mercy, it would seem at this point, of the D.C. dollhouse because it does seem to be that's where Bennett played by. Summer Glau. Summer Glau. Yeah. It, it is located. I, I could be wrong, but I think the indications are that they're in DC. Did you notice the okay. difference in her office compared to Topher's? Oh, I mean, that, that, well, that I was about to say, like, the difference overall in the two dollhouses is really incredibly stark, right? Like, whereas, you know, the LA one has these kind of cushy chairs and you know you got Topher's office which is like basically a romper room and DeWitt's very 
uh, commodious office as well. And now we have these seemingly more cramped, sterile, cold environment here. Um, and uh, what's Summer Glau's character's name? Bennett. Okay, yeah, Bennett. Being as about as far from personality-wise, as far from Topher as you can get. So, well, I mean, you just go into her office. Now, her office though is pretty spacious. Classical music playing. She's got a classical painting, not on the wall, but on an easel. Eclectic taste in furniture, lamps. It's just the antithesis of everything Topher is all about. You said it's like a romper room. It's like the adult and the child. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the other thing, did you notice the dolls in her house have classical Greek mythology names? Yes. Hades and Aphrodite were two that that we were told tonight. So um, I guess every house has got its system, whatever it is. I guess you just have to have enough to go around. But she's waiting for the senator's body. You know, I think I tried to look this up one time. Why is her arm in a sling? I wondered whether Summer Glau had an injury or whether this is supposed to be part of her character. And I can't remember. It's if- it's part of her character. I, that, I remember that. Okay. Because we see that she knows Carol. She calls her Caroline, not Echo. Right. So she knows Caroline. Like, she knows who echo was before and so you know at this point i'm you know play dumb and say is that because is that how her arm got like it is i don't know but it's certainly i i thought you know what it reminded me of i thought she's like dr strangelove you know yeah sure yeah i mean how can you not make that connection and certainly if you haven't seen that movie um, i don't know if it's on netflix it's probably out there somewhere but certainly definitely go see it right now as far as end-of-the-world scenarios go, you, you really got to check that out. Stanley Kubrick, I think it was around 1961, 62. I think 61, 60, yeah, one of those. I was about to say 61, 62. Right. But she also suffers from migraines, uh, Bennett, that is. Again, she's seemingly in charge in a way that Topher is not, even though she seems to do the same job Topher does. So... Perhaps every dollhouse has a different hierarchy, yeah. maybe de- depending on who the personnel is. Certainly, you would not put Topher in charge of anything. Uh, was, than- I was about to say, like, you can't – Topher you, is not a, uh, a, a leader-type person. But, uh, but Bennett is she's, – she's both, right? She's – and, you know, and she's definitely seems to be cold and calculating enough that uh, she could run the place and obviously has the smarts and the science as well. So Right. And then, as you mentioned, she recognizes Caroline. You always promised you'd come back to me and then let's play. And then she zaps her. Yeah. And when she realizes that there's a monitor recording her action, she turns it off and the episode ends. Mm-hmm. So, Wow. And at this point, you know, you perhaps remember more than I about, you know, what we're going to see. But coming into this cold, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What the hell? Well, and when it first aired, it's like, what the hell? Like, oh, okay, we'll find out what the hell now. Because here's the next episode right away. Well, anything else you want to bring up? That's about all I 
have in my notes. Um. Uh, oh, just the one thing I noticed, like, um, you know, Senator Perrin, at one point, you heard his wife's name is Cindy. He calls her Sin. So I'm like, oh, they did that on purpose. You know, like, I mean, I know, like, you know, if, you know, people named Cindy probably like called Sin a lot. But when it's like an evil character, you can't think like it's Sin, S-I-N, rather than C-I-N, you know. Okay. Uh, but that's uh, that's about it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave it there and, you know, transition right into, as we said last week, we're going to start putting the listener feedback at the end of the podcast. So Fred from the Netherlands is on the road this week, but he did manage to send us a brief audio feedback and also some written feedback. So let's first hear what Fred has to say this week. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dollhouse Season 2, Episode 5. It's early morning, 7 a.m., and I will write down some other feedback, but I didn't want to deprive me of my, you of my uh, presumptuous, uh, beautiful early morning voice. So this is a little audio feedback, and the rest I will write down. Uh, Several things came up, uh, resulting in that I watched the episode until 2 a.m. last night, and uh, now it's 7 a.m., um, I have to get on the road and I will probably write something uh, in the train. Um, I also watched uh, Timeless, also season two, episode five by chance. A uh, marvelous show. Um, really recommend this show. And especially after the last night's episode about young, young GFK. Uh, and I think this really uh, made it clear this series deserves a third season. Um, let's not hope that it goes down the same road as Dollhouse did uh, and we'll get a, a third uh, season. Just to start with one remark for Dollhouse, um, I thought if you have a tendency to epilepsy, this is a very dangerous episode with so many flashbacks. And the flashbacks are not only flashbacks, but they are flashing backs. Um, I don't know if I like that a lot, but because uh, the the senator was having flashbacks and uh, Bree was having f- flashback, Caroline Echo, um, it's was just a little bit uh, too much, and you you get, really get the restlessness, uh, what we also uh, see in uh, Epitaph One. Uh, you talk so much about Epitaph One uh, in your previous uh, podcast that I really have to re- rewatch that uh, show. Uh, because you're referring to that so much. So, this is all for audio. Greetings. All the best, Fred. All right. Well, yeah, I too uh, have become a huge Timeless fan. Uh, episode 205, the JFK episode, I have not yet seen. Oh, uh, so good. Oh, uh, okay. But clearly, this show deserves a third season. The fact that it's on NBC does not fill me with confidence. Yeah. You know? I'll just leave it there. They, they don't have a good track record. Yeah, and, and, but and then, it was it was tough, and, and you know probably Fred or people who aren't necessarily Americans would not notice how just incredibly horrible the actor's accent is that he used uh, in playing a young JFK. It was kind of like a mix between a British backwood Southern and a pretending to be a Boston, so I'm going to drop every other R-type accent. It's just, I, I wasn't sure where he was going with it the whole time. And I wish he would just talk normally, or that they had hired an actor from Massachusetts who you know could like pull that off a little bit better. But anyway, just cool. my little bit there. 
Okay. Now, he, he does say about the flashbacks in this episode of Dollhouse, and, and I know what he means, you know, because they are coming so fast and furious, you almost miss some of her past engagements, but I do like it, and I think what it is really supposed to get us to think is how it must be for Caroline to deal with all of those people in her head. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, well Fred also does, sent does us in look some, like it's pleasant. some written feedback. And he says, in addition to my audio feedback, here are some extra thoughts about episode five. I have to say it was a little hectic yesterday evening and this morning, but I did manage to watch the episode and do a little audio feedback. I'm living in the southwest of the Netherlands, and I'm now sitting in the train to the center of the country, which takes me about one hour. One hour, you say? Well, the whole of the Netherlands is 200 by 300 kilometers or 125 by 190 miles. I have to go to a one-day conference about preconception and neonatal screening. I hope I won't fall asleep after just five hours of sleep. You know, I, I love that Fred has his priorities correct. Yeah, that, absolutely. Watch the episode. I, I like that, Fred. Get I, I my like feedback the into Dave and Wayne. <laughs> absolutely. Perhaps one of the other participants sitting next to me has to kick me, and I have to say, did I fall asleep? And the other participant will answer, for a little while. Just for a little while. <laughs> I really like the new dollhouse concept of not imprinting a person fully, but just partly as a character improvement, just as they did with Sedinor Perrin. I really could use some of that. How about you guys? <laughs> I did not see it coming yeah, no that Perrin... Thanks, I did not see it coming that Perrin is a semi-doll and his wife a very wicked handler. It shows how far their power reaches. Poor Miss DeWitt. I think she'll put up quite a cat fight, and I really have to rewatch Epitaph 1. Now, as always, Fred has some quotes about the episode and the scene where Perrin wakes up in bed only to find uh, Echo there, and he mentions his wife and you know hurting her and he says i love her echo says i don't have that problem obviously implying that yeah i can hurt her you want to take me to them they're all bad guys brie i think her bad guys are better than my bad guys hey she's not your wife come on and then uh ballard and madeline they want you to testify against them it's a trick melly if you do this it'd be a mistake i'm not melly know that you said you freed me, and when someone's free, they get to make mistakes. Then he says, did you notice that there were people walking around the airport with exactly the same devices? And, you know, I'm not sure what device you're talking about, Fred. Did- it, it looks like the, they look like maps that they're looking at oh, in okay. the picture here. Okay. Um, I wondered whether they were something, or something special. Like a brochure, or brochure, just- maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of course, I love to see Summer Glau in her Topher-like role in a much darker, disturbed way than Topher, of course. And I had more, but sorry, time's up. My train arrives at its destination. Greetings. All the best, Fred. Yeah, another, uh, yeah, maybe you can get Fred on board with uh, casting a vote for Summer Glau as First Lady of Sci-Fi. There, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm, I'm dropping that argument because whereas uh, Summer Glau has kind of like, I haven't really seen her anything recently and the man the tapping is like directing like crazy like she's doing supernatural uh she's doing travelers right did she do travelers she had travelers right yes acted yeah. and so, directed 
Yeah. So, you know, she's right, right, right. She was even acting it. So, you know, she's still out there working it. I, I concede the victory to you, sir. Fred, thanks for the feedback again, as always. And, you know, Wayne and I are going to take a break next week from Dollhouse. And rest assured, we're coming right back the following week. But with Netflix dropping the reboot of Lost in Space, we thought we'd take next week to talk about the first episode of Lost in Space. So if you haven't seen it yet, definitely check it out. And, and you know, for people of our generation, and obviously I'm a little bit older than you. Easy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but we remember the original. While this pays a certain amount of homage to the original, it's it's still got a its own twist, and it definitely was everyone's, pretty cool. Everyone's waiting for the first Danger Will Robinson. Yes, right? uh, uh, absolutely. They're going to do it. So, have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've no, but my my uh, my kids have seen it. Like my sons, I've seen at least some of it, and they said it's great. And you know, the kids around school are talking about it. Uh, I see people you know posting about it left, right, and center. So. There's a, there's a lot of buzz going up about it, for sure. That's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about anything going on in genre television. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about the first episode of the Netflix reboot, Lost in Space. But until then... Hello, Dave. I don't get it. When do we get to get naked again? <laughs>